When I teach people, they put down their cigarettes. Some of you still smoke, in Jesus' name. When I teach people, I bring them out of a life of fornication and adultery. And some of you looking at me so hateful are still practicing that, in Jesus' name. When I teach people, I bring them out of lesbianism and homosexuality. And some of you are practicing that in Jesus' name. I stop them from lying and cheating and give them strong family values. Teach them righteousness and clean them up and make them decent young men and women seeking after knowledge. Why would you hate me for the good that I do and love those who have mistreated you and given you evil all the days of your life? Welcome back to the podcast. Beloved, this is indeed your brother, Big VJ, checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk religion. And not only are we going to talk religion, we're going to talk divinity. And we're going to put some things on the table, right? Um, We're going to talk about Mr. Muhammad, right? We're talking about Elijah Muhammad, right? Peace be upon him, he's no longer here. We're going to talk about his life his work um we're going to talk about an accusation right we're going to talk about an accusation of mr muhammad leader teacher and god of the nation of islam as being a pedophile right because i heard something right i heard something maybe like a week ago Maybe like a week and a half ago, I was listening to a podcast, right? And my kinfolk is the host of this podcast, and the name of it is Unpopular Truth versus Popular Opinion. And he was doing a real good, insightful conversation in which he was talking about prophets and fake prophets, you know, because we was uh, kind of like both talking about Pochop. There's some things that Pochop got going on that. <laughs> You almost can't help but to say something. During the conversation, though, I want to say maybe like midway through, the verbiage of Elijah Muhammad being a false prophet and a pedophile came up, right? Now, you know, when I heard that statement, the part that I liked it the most was the divinity that was a part of it, right? Because, you know, it's important that our people can point out what is proper and what is not proper, right? An action, a deed, or behavior that is righteous or was unrighteous, right? It was a correct behavior or that deed or that behavior or that action was incorrect behavior, right? Dig that. So I was all about the divinity of the statement. The scholarship of that statement, you know, beloved, we're, um, you know, we're going to talk about that a little later, right? When I say that we are going to 
speak a lot about divinity today, we're going to talk about a person's innate nature to know right from wrong. This is something that we don't have to get out of a book. This is something that you're born with. All of us is born with that inside of us. The knowledge of good and evil. The knowledge of what's right and wrong. Right? All right. The best example I can think of, because I'm going to use that term divinity, 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 all throughout this conversation. The etymology of that word means to shine. It means brightness. It means, you know, it's that sun, that sun shining throughout you. It's just shining brightness. That's what the word originally means. Today, they kind of use it for, you know, identifying a deity. You can go to divinity school and all this. It's a whole different thing now. But it's that origin is about that brightness of a human being walking in that lighted path, right? What is right? What is upright to do? The best example I can give you is this. Uh, I would think I was looking at Instagram, maybe Twitter, right? Maybe Twitter looking at one of the reels. And there was a mom and there was a dad. They were sitting in the bed. They had their toddler with them. The little man had to be two, three years old. He couldn't be no older than that, right? And he, they just sitting in the bed and, you know, mom and dad, is they, they're play fighting. You know what I'm saying? So dad play like he hit mom in the head and mom is reacting. She looking like she falling all down. But that toddler instantly jumps up and jump on his father. That's that's divinity. You can feel what is, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. You know when you hear it. You know when you see it. You know when you witness it. You jump up and you react because you were born with this in you. That child, that toddler knew something at two or three years old. Knew something was very improper with daddy putting his hands on mama. Nobody had to teach him that. He didn't have to. Nobody had to sit him down and put him in a school. Nobody had to sit down and let him read it in the book. He just knew that instinctively he had divinity. So what we're going to do, beloved, today is we're going to go over some scenarios, right? As a family, as a tribe, as a village, because I feel as though, you know, when I heard McKinfolk make that statement, that opened the door for a larger conversation. I felt this though. You see what I'm saying? Like, that could be like a larger conversation. You know what I'm saying? We can put that on a on a on a more grander kind of like scale. And then we can go down the scenarios and then we can test our divinity to make sure it's still in it's still intact, it's still in place. Cause you know, to say somebody is a pedophile, that is a very, you know, that is that's not like uh <laughs> that's a big jacket to put on somebody. You know, as we say in the neighborhood, that's a lot of weight on your plate. When somebody put that on you, oh man, dude is a pedophile. Because, you know, I think about myself personally, right? There's a lot of talents that I've seen and I've witnessed that I fell back off of them because they were doing things improper as older men with younger women. Um, One of my favorite R&B singers, Robert Kelly from Chicago, right? R. Kelly. 
no matter how many CDs that I bought that he owned. And when I kind of heard that he was a member of this activity, my divinity wouldn't allow me to support him. I had to throw Robert stuff away. One of my, you know, one of my favorite songs that the brother made was he had this song called Gotham City for the ghetto, man. And it was like a remix. And it was like a theme song for me to get up and go to the gym and go to work with it. But because that brother was a part of this activity, man, I couldn't no longer enjoy his work. I, w- I didn't feel comfortable enjoying the brother's work. One of my favorite comedians was a brother named Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney, because you may be young. I'm a man of a certain age. You probably never heard of Paul Mooney. If you know who Dave Chappelle is, Paul Mooney was like Dave Chappelle on steroids. Like he was like a whole nother level. Like a, he was Dave Chappelle on another, ver- a whole nother version, whole nother level, right? Yet when I heard that this brother had did some things improper with Richard Pryor's son, the DVDs, tapes I had of this man I could do nothing but get I had to put him in the trash you see what I'm saying um this is divinity we can't support things like this so when you hear somebody point something out you can't do nothing but respect it like you say man that's that's real powerful like you know that's powerful that's that's divinity you're showing that this is an improper activity and you're connecting with that to say Nah, we're not with that as a village. So we can stand with that, right? We, we totally stand with that and we stand on that. Yet, a little later, we're going to come out with a little bit of scholarship to kind of see what is what, right? Before we get there, I want to add some people to the larger conversation, right? Elijah Muhammad. Leader, teacher, and guy of the Nation of Islam. It's said to be a pedophile. And uh, again, I heard it on Ken Folk Podcast. I heard it on other folks' podcasts. And sometimes you see that being thrown up in, in chats, right? You're on one of these black conscious groups, and there's some lost founds on there. And then one of the things that one may throw on the other say, you know, um, Elijah's a pedophile. Then it expands to a larger conversation. That's why we're going to take it to a larger conversation here where it becomes a Christian versus Muslim kind of thing. And then on that larger level, you will see that Prophet Muhammad from 1400 years ago is also thrown into the fire as being a pedophile because he married Aisha, right? So... I don't know, you know, it's a story behind that. Sometimes you hear Aisha was six years old. Sometimes you hear Aisha is seven years old. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, where they, the consummation was at nine and it's this whole story behind it. Yet, we're going to put the divinity right next to, right next to those scenarios. Right? How about we do that? You know what I mean? So let's throw everything into the larger conversation of religion as a whole. You know what I'm saying? We're going to talk about religion. And part of our conversation is how I kind of word things is. We're going to talk about the chosen people. Right? The children of God. We're going to talk about the children of the earth as well. Right? 
Okay. Um, if you haven't noticed, on this podcast, we very rarely say anything about Muslims. We don't say much about Islam. And then there's a reason behind it, right? We don't say much about Christianity. We don't say much about Christians. There's a reason behind that. What we do talk a lot about is the Jew. We talk about their hook nose. That we do, right? There's a method to it all. And the method is this. You see, beloved, we know Islam, we're talking about Prophet Muhammad 1,400 years ago. We know Islam don't run nothing. We know that there's a pecking order. There's a chain of command. Uh, there's a pyramid, if you will. You know, if you would, if you will. And we know that Islam is not at the top of the list. Actually, for what they call Abrahamic religions, is at the bottom. Islam don't run nothing. We also know that in the chain of command, Christianity is not on the top either. We know that the Jew, his religion, his faith, his customs, his courtesy, his religion is at the top. That's what we know. That's not what we believe. It's not what we think. That's what we know. So we got enough sense to say, <laughs> well, you ain't got to waste your time jumping on no Christians. I mean, we pick on poach up every now and then, but that's kind of like, that's an easy target. But we're not going to waste no time jumping on no Christians. And we ain't going to waste no time <laughs> jumping on no Muslims. <laughs> because we know that the Jew run the whole show. See, without the Jew, the Christian and the Muslim don't even exist. The Jew stands alone on that island by himself. Everybody else is just piggybacking off his religion. See, that's how that kind of like works. So much so that the Jews just feel like all the Christians really did was just take their book and just glue it on the back of their book. And then after the Christians glued their book behind the Jewish book. Then Islam came 600 years later and then they had to include the greats that belong to the Christian religion and the prophets that come from the Jewish religion to make their religion relevant. So in the grand scheme of things, this is how it worked. The Jews stand alone. He had his own prophets, his own everything. The Christians have to borrow the Jews' prophets. They don't have that they don't have a standalone like that. They don't have standalone prophets and things of that nature. They don't. So the Christians have to kind of give leeway to the Jews. But the Jews don't respect Christians. Uh, let me see if I can just name a few real quick. Okay. Well, for one, um, the Christian believes in human sacrifice can cover the sins, right? Well, the Jews don't believe that. You know, it doesn't 
you know, to Jews, it doesn't really make sense that a man could die for sins of people that haven't even been born yet. You know what I'm saying? It's year AD 7500. It's year AD 6400. And people are not even born yet. That time have never is not even arrived yet. But when those people show up on the planet, if they do something improper, well, somebody already died for their sins and they wasn't even here. See, that doesn't make sense to Jews. The concept of a human sacrifice, it definitely doesn't make sense to Jews because Jews believe in animal sacrifice. Not only do Jews believe in animal sacrifice, Jews believe this, right? And somebody please jump down in the chat or email me if I say this wrong, right? If I'm not mistaken, um, when Jews sacrifice a lamb, the lamb, I believe, have to be under three years old and the lamb can't have any spots or blemishes on it, right? If I'm not mistaken, that's how that goes. Well, the Christians have a human sacrifice that's well over three years old. And, you know, the son of Mary was, was beaten all the way to, you, you see what I'm saying? So that, that's like a fundamental difference that the Jews have with the Christians, right? Um, no matter how hard a Christian tried to convert a Jew, it won't work. Because the difference is, it's like, you know, like, okay, like I, I give you this one. Isaiah 53 chapter, I believe it is. Isaiah 53. Um, the Christians look at that one way, but the Jews look at that different. Now, what they agree on is that um, that the Messiah will come from Judah. Now, that's the part of Isaiah 53 that the Jews and the Christians, ironically, they agree on. Yet, it goes back to a fundamental difference. The difference is this, right? The Jews have a like a patriarchal kind of like tribe, kind of like thing. It's all patriarchal, patriarchal, patriarchal. Meaning that, you know, you have to be a bloodline. Or maybe I should say you got to have the Y chromosome of Issachar to be in the tribe of Issachar. You got to have a father. You know what I'm saying? You got to come down the line of the father. You know what I'm saying? So whoever your father is in the Jewish culture, that's what you are. So if your father belongs to Dan, then you belong to the tribe of Dan. Uh, if your mother come out of Zebulon, but your dad come out of Levi, then you're a Levite because everything is predicated on the father's line, the father's seed, father, father, father. It's patriarchal, right? So going back to Isaiah 53, they both agree that the Messiah is coming out of Judah. The only problem is the Christians say that the Messiah, which is the son of Mary, he is the Messiah, yet the Jews say, well, he doesn't qualify because he have to have a father to put him in a tribe. And according to the Christian's book now, not their book, according to the Christian's book, the son of Mary don't have no father. 
he his father is a ghost is the holy ghost so how could he be in the tribe of judah if he doesn't have a father to put him in the tribe of judah see these are differences that the jew and the christian ain't gonna never get along with they never gonna get on the same page because as long as you have god being the son of mary's father how, how could he be a Jew when everybody get their tribal membership from their natural father. Is this making sense? You see what I'm saying? It's a whole different theology. They don't respect it at all. The Jews don't respect Islam. It's a whole different theology. They don't respect it at all. But the Christians got to recognize the Jew. You see what I'm saying? That's how that works. It, it's not the other way around, but the Christians got to recognize the Jews. Islam got to recognize them both. Because they're using the prophets that's in both books. Yet the Christian don't have to, he don't have to respect. <laughs> the Christian ain't got to respect the, uh, Islam. Because Islam is a Johnny come lately. He don't have to respect him. Why? So if you just get on that Jew neck, you get on the hook nose, well, you don't have to worry about, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't clean the table when you got on that hook nose. So beloved, we're going to have a conversation about the Jewish biblical text and when we provide scenarios we want to make sure that our divinity is where it's supposed to be all the time every time right how about we collectively do that going back to Islam Prophet Muhammad 1400 years ago Again, like we said earlier, Aisha is like six to seven years old at her time of marriage. We're talking about with Prophet Muhammad, right? 1,400 years ago, Islam. Again, like I said earlier, it say about nine, some say 12. That was the consummation, right? All right. When we go chronological order, I want you to remember that the Jews' religion come first. The Christian religion comes second. Islam come third. And then the nation of Islam is the contemporary. It come way later, 1930s. So that's the chronological order, right? Okay, okay, okay. Let's go back a little bit. But I want you to put a pin on Prophet Muhammad's activity. Our divinity tells us that that is improper. That should not be. It also tells us that no matter what the story is behind that, it was improper for that to be a custom in any shape, form, or fashion you want to put it. That's the everything around that, everything surrounding that is improper. So we talking divinity, your innate divinity. What do you look like as an original man or woman following a prophet that had a marriage? With a young girl that was six or seven years old. That don't really make sense to people that's connected with their own divinity. It doesn't. Right? Let's go back. I want to talk about a couple other things before we get there. Because you got to remember that came 600 years later. Right? Um, let's talk about if we came and studied the biblical text. Who was the youngest wife 
that is inside of the biblical text. If we went on Google and we started typing Google and said, yo, who was the youngest wife? Who name would come up? Would Leah and Rachel's name come up? Would Rebecca's name come up? If we Google it, who was the youngest wife in the Bible? Whose name is going to come up? Is Sarah's name going to come up? Or again, is Rebecca's name going to come up? When Isaac married Rebecca, Isaac was 40 years old. Right? According to Genesis 25 20, Isaac was 40 years old. How old was Rebecca when she married Isaac? Right? What does your divinity tell you about that? Because if your divinity can point out that something is wrong with Prophet Muhammad marrying Aisha, ain't no challenging that. If your divinity can also point out that a contemporary black leader, nation of Islam leader, Elijah Muhammad, he supposedly uh, is a pedophile all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Because, you know, <laughs> you know that some things is divinity respected, some things is scholarship. And this is just to a, a, a larger, wider audience because you hear this floating around in groups, right? You don't hear the name of the young lady that supposedly involved in this pedophile situation. But we'll get to that a little later because we're going we're gonna to put it all out on the table. When you do the research with Isaac and Rebecca though, right? And then some of the scholars come out and say, well, you know, Rebecca, uh, you know, she was uh, betrothed to be married from as early as three years old to as late as maybe 14 years old what do your divinities say then when you hear that? Because if we do in chronological order, before I can point out an Elijah, before I can point out a prophet, Muhammad, from 1400 years ago, there was a time where the Jews had the whole thing, the whole stage to themselves. Before the Christians even came, the Jews had the whole stage to themselves. And then when it comes to our people, we're introduced to this, you know, the new covenant and the first covenant, first covenant at the same time. We didn't know. This is how we introduced to that underneath our new keepers, our new masters underneath colonial powers. So when we're bumping things up against our divinity and we're reading a biblical story and we do the research and we do the mathematics on the ages between these spouses, when the scholars came to us and said, that Rebecca was betrothed as young as three years old to at best 14 years old. What did our divinity say then? What did, did it say anything then? Rabbi Mintz was discussing um, marriages working out. We have an online question, and that is a marriage of Isaac and Rebecca. Isaac was decades older than Rebecca was. How did that work? Well, two things. Number one, the maturity of those times are much different than now. Even Rebecca was only three years old when she got married. A three-year-old then was equal to, who knows, uh, probably a 20-year-old today. 
the, the maturity level was much higher Stop than it is cow. today. It wasn't like having a little girl three years old. That wasn't the case at all. <laughs> Even physically, she went through the water for all the camels. So uh, she was a little girl three years old. How could she control uh, a little girl? So uh, physically, she was certainly much stronger, and spiritually, and uh, her uh, uh, maturity level was much stronger than the three-year-old today. We can't compare it. That's number one. Number two, the, the whole cow. idea of marriage was a lot different than today by many people. Marriage was not just uh, uh, getting together, enjoying each other, and, uh, and having uh, a, a, a good times. That, those times, good times means getting together, serving God, having a family that's going to be a family of, of uh, Torah and, 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 and abiding by the laws of the Torah. That was what, was, what, what the, the, the purpose of marriage was, to have children, to bring them up according to Torah standards. So the whole idea of marriage is a lot different than today. And uh, therefore, even things today seems like a mismatch because people are not on that level of greatness to make a marriage work according to spiritual standards. Uh, they had a much more spiritual level and they were able to make marriages which might not be uh, manageable today, they were manageable then. Stop the cow. Okay, any last question in the room? Let's go back, all right? Let's go all the way back. Let's just talk about the founding fathers of this Jewish religion. Let's just have a conversation about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's just talk about the family. Let's just have a conversation. And let's just start back all the way from Terah because Terah is their father. And we know that Abram, right? If you come to this podcast, you know that Abram comes from Iraq. That is his homeland. That is his birthplace of him and his father and his whole family line comes from Iraq, which is not that far from Prophet Muhammad's birth line, a birthplace, which is Arabia, right? So it's safe to say that they're from a, a desert environment and they both have desert deities, Muhammad has Allah. Abram, which turns into Abraham, has Yahweh. Right? All right. Terah, which is the father of Abram, had three sons. Right? Terah had Haran, Nohar, and of course, Abram. Right? Haran had a son named Lot. And then he had two other daughters beside that son, right? So you got Haran, Lot, and two daughters, right? Okay. Milka and Eska. Haran died right before his father in Ur of the Chaldeans. This is today we call Iraq. You dig what I'm saying? All right. Right now, we're just talking about Tira right now. We're talking about Abram's dad and his three sons, right? And we're going to do some divinity checking, right? How about we do that? How about we do that? How about we do that? Um, Nahor, who was also a brother of Abram, he married his niece, Milka. His, that's the daughter of Haran. All right, let's stop. 
What do your divinity say about that? Terah got three sons. Haran, Nahor, and Abram. Haran died early, brother. He died early, sisters. But he had Lot with two daughters before he died. And then his brother, Nahor, jumped up and married one of his daughters. He married his niece. What does your divinity say about that? It don't say anything? Cool, we'll take it a little further. Abraham had a wife called Sarah. Sarah is the daughter of Tiraz through his supposed second wife because how it goes is that Tira had two wives. One was named Yonah, right? That's who Abram came from. The other one was named Tiavita, right? That's who Sarah came from. And then later, Abram and Sarah got together. All right, let's stop. Let's cook on that. So what does your divinity say about that? When you hear that Abram married his own sister and he's 10 years older than his sister, your divinity should kick in and say something is off with that. Because now the more and more we begin to paint this picture, we see it's a family thing now. See, I, I, I go through the whole line and say, no, it just wasn't him. His brother did it. And then not only that, the man had a nephew named Lot that had two daughters and he knocked up his own two daughters. So what does your divinity say about that? See, this is the this is why, beloved, your brother VJ, man, that's why. I, <laughs> listen to me, beloved. You know, um. I don't get into the um, this is a false prophet this is a real prophet because in order for me to get into the false prophet game by default I'm identifying that there is a such thing as a real prophet so when you come on this podcast I say well you know if the truth be told if the butt naked truth be told right we know that the earth gives us identifying markers of kinship Mother, father, son, like I'm a son. Then you you graduate, you become a father and an uncle. And if you're real lucky, a granddad. If you're lucky, lucky, a great granddad. If you're super lucky, a great, great grand. See, it's all kinship identification markers. Brother, sister, nieces, nephews. You get married, you take on a wife, which is the world's greatest religion. Oldest religion is the institution of marriage. So then you have a brother-in-law, father-in-law, mother-in-law. You know, you have a whole kind of, it's a tribal thing. At no point in human history amongst original people were we given a bishop, a pastor, a prophet, a, it didn't exist. The deacons don't exist. They come along with Jewish culture. Once you learn about Jewish culture, you are now privy to be accustomed to other titles that you wouldn't be, that's outside of the realm of kinship. Maybe I should say it that way, right? All right. Let's go back to divinity now. 
if I can point out Prophet Muhammad is dealing with a six-year-old and my divinity says, man, beloved, that is totally improper. This religion has got to be a trash religion. It got to be because, look, that is so improper. I couldn't follow behind that. Beloved, we get that. We salute that. When you see the religious battleship, though, the, the same people that would point that out will come back and follow the people that the brother married his sister. They got a 10-year difference, and the man married his own sisters. He married his own father's child. How come the divinity, it looked like the divinity, it, it, that, that's why I use the term, man, when you come to this podcast, beloved, that's why I use the term, I say, the children of God. I use that term on purpose because I use it very different, I can assure you, than you hear it on any other podcast. I use that in the term to say, see, like a child, a child kind of like go along with whatever their father got going on. You know what I'm saying? So for the Christians and Jews, typically the father is Yahweh. For the Muslims, their father is Allah. No matter what Allah does, the children of God, they kind of like go along, whatever Allah do, they just kind of go along with it because they're just children. Then when you come to the Christian in the Jewish world, the father is Yahweh. Most of the times, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes they got a trinity you don't really know. But then you got this, they just kind of go along with whatever. Oh, Yahweh said, did y'all? they just kind of like go, they're children. They're children. Beloved, they're children. But the original man and woman got divinity. We was born with this. If I can see something that's off with Prophet Muhammad doing that, I don't put on the blinders when I look at Abraham because I say, beloved, that is just as off with him doing that with him doing that. They're equals to me. Beloved, they should be equals to you. If we just play with this thing, because, you know, Abram is 10 years older than Sarah. So if we just play with this thing like. Just, just imagine, right? Because there, there's a, there's several different kind of readers, right? There's a there's a reader that glamorizes things, you know what I'm saying? And then there's a reader that visualizes things. And I'm the kind of reader I visualize it when I read it. You dig what I'm saying? I take it out the book and I visualize it in real time, in real in real life, right in front of me. If I seen a man that married his sister that was ten years younger than him. I would be like, man, well, you was just you must have been checking out your sister from day one. She's in the crib, she's a baby, she's crawling, and you got your eye on your own sister. So much so she get older, she get older, she get older. And you know what? You marry her. And then if that very same person became a preacher, became a bishop, in the real world, we would think the dude was nuts. We wouldn't follow this guy. Like, that's no way. But you know what they do? they glamorize something and they give it to you in the book now you go for it and not only do you go for it you look at the rest of us like we're crazy because we don't go for that and just that quick of a time i get i showed you a small family line that the jews gave you because the Jew at the top of he's a tie <laughs> because the hook nose at the top of the pecking order, everybody. So that means the Muslims got to believe in the same guy, and the Christians got to believe in the same guy. So when you see a Christian in the Muslim debate, you think to yourself, what well, all y'all believe in Abraham? All y'all believe in the man that married his sister. 
So how could you turn around and throw the stone at the man that they all the same? They all Semitics. Hold up, I do you one better. I do you one better. I do you one better. You know, Abraham had Isaac, right? Right? Of course, Abraham had, well, he had, you know, he had Ishmael too, but nobody really counts Ishmael. Um, Abraham had Isaac and was was kind of funny is that technically Isaac, his mom is technically like his aunt at the same time. And then his dad is his dad and his uncle at the same time. I know y'all love these folks. Y'all look up to these folks. That don't seem weird to you. Maybe they just seem weird to us. Okay, so boom. Isaac then runs off. Right? Because I don't want to, you know, the scholars go back and forth with the age of Rebecca. And while they're going back and forth with the age, maybe she's three. Maybe she's 14. Maybe she's, I'm just looking at the fact, I'm like, how come he married his cousin? Before we go back and forth with the ages, how, how how come he married his cousin? How did we get there? Or maybe I should say, how did we just gloss over that part? Like, man, he just he married his cousin. But this is the people y'all glamorized up. If I can see the divinity in that being improper, what Muhammad do 600 years after Christianity is made, I could point that out. It's, it's the funniest thing to see is a Christian in a Muslim debate. It is the funniest thing that people of the earth witness. It is it is hilarious. All they do is point out back and forth who did what, but they all follow Abraham. They all love Isaac. They all love Jacob. That's why your brother V don't go into that. Man, this is a false prophet. This is a well, look at the. Well, this is what the real province is doing. <laughs> you know, if this is what the real province is doing, we can't even get to the false prophets yet. This is what the real province is doing. They marrying sisters. They marrying cousins. Um, when Jacob Jacob was a uh, <laughs> look look let's 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 sit down. Let's cook a little bit. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna make some time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> your brother gonna have a good conversation today because you know man you know i appreciate kinfolk for taking that that statement because that is a way we can open it up to a larger more broader conversation man because that was i was very profound that he touched on that was like okay I, I can respect that we gonna go into the scholarship of it though but i'm like man i can respect the divinity that's there now that divinity should always carry over to just it just don't cut off there we should be able to see it when it's in front of us, right? Um, Jacob got married at what age to Leah and uh, and Rachel? How old was Jacob, whose name got changed to Israel? How old was it when he married Leah and uh, Rachel, right? You know, there's a formula that you have to go by to kind of figure that out because the biblical text just doesn't come out and say it. It kind of like it's a little formula. So what you have to do is you have to track uh, Joseph down first. You know what I'm saying? And then when you track Joseph down, you have to see, you know, well, how old was Joseph when he got sold and he went into Kemet? And then you got to say, how old was it when he got 
uh, to his uh, executive position in Kemet. And then you come up right around 38, 39 years old. And then you see that Jacob, uh, he left for Egypt when he was like 130 years old. So now you got to do the math. So now you take the 39 from the 130. And then you say Jacob was 91 years old. Okay, so boom, you got to say, well, he was in exile 14 years with him and that Esau thing. Right, so that means Jacob had to book it. Uh... Right around the age of like 77. All right, let's stop. Let's cook on that. Let's cook on that. Let's cook on that a little bit. See, you always have to put mathematics behind everything that the folks teach. Because the math will kind of, uh, <laughs> it'll show you the divinity in it. It'll show you the brightness in it. It'll show you, okay, this is, you know what I mean? When you're young, and you don't know no better. And you like maybe at like vacation Bible school. And they're giving you these Bible stories. And they give you the story of Esau and Jacob. And then they tell you the story about, you know, uh, Rebecca was kind of slick. So she kind of, she had a favorite son. They were both twins, but she had a favorite. So she kind of dressed up her son in ghost skin. So he can kind of go in there and get the blessing from Isaac. Because Isaac was kind of blind, right? And they give you this story and they kind of... When you when you're young and you got these like vacation Bible school books, they 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 they, they have you like they're like in their twenties and in their thirties and they look like regular young men. But then you get older and you get to read for yourself, and then you visualize for yourself, and then you say, well, wait a minute, if Joseph was thirty nine, then Jacob was one. Th-. Then you do the math like I did. Then you say, wait a minute, he was seventy seven years old. So you say, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that it was a 77-year-old man and his mama playing a trick on their dad to get a blessing? He was 77 doing that? He wasn't no young man. He wasn't no young scrap. He was in his 70s when he was doing that. Stop. Let's cook on that. What do your divinity tell you about that? Do your divinity say that's proper or do they say it's improper? Because this is a whole family now. This just, we didn't really get deep into the whole, we just doing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are the folks y'all love so much that y'all follow. These are real prophets that y'all following so much. See, you know why they get y'all to glamorize this stuff? They gave you hell, brother. They gave you hell, sister. They made y'all fear for your soul. Oh man, if you don't believe this and you don't go on, if you don't become a child of God, let me say it that way, and just go alone with whatever Yahweh got cooking, he's gonna put you in hell. So your divinity got an off and on switch. It's like you play religious set tripping, religious game banging, where you can point out stuff that's not, oh, that's on the other side, so I can point that out. No, what's on your side? What's on your side? The man playing the game at 77 years old. Now, if that was real life, real time, we would not respect these people. I keep saying that. You won't respect them if you've seen them in person. But they give it to you in the book with a hell story behind it. You go for it. He's fleeing from his brother at 77 years old. You know what I'm saying? He got the blessing and then he's fleeing. We talking about Jacob still. And then Jacob runs and then he meets his uncle. And then he sees his uncle's daughter, which is his cousin, 
then he says, I don't got the bride fee. I don't want to pay that. But I worked seven years to marry my own cousin. And he makes the deal. Then the uncle hits him with a switcheroo because all of these people are tricky people. They're trickster people. That part is right. Then he marries the other cousin. Let's stop. What do your divinity tell you about that? What does your divinity say about that? When we go through the whole book and you keep saying scenario at scenario at scenario at scenario. Because see, you ain't got to see one thing about it, man. When you you ain't got to do nothing but jump on that Jew. You ain't got to waste your time on the other two because once you jump on that, you get on that Jew's neck. Everybody else got to follow. What does your divinity tell you when you with these folk keep marrying their cousins and their sisters and these are righteous people you follow? These real prophets that you follow? Come on, bro. Let's talk to me now. Talk to me now. I ain't making it up. Brother, sister, we ain't making it up. How many times I say on this podcast, I say, do y'all know what the chosen people mean? The chosen people mean their bloodline was chosen to kill and move the black tribes out of the way. What did your divinity say about that? The Canaanites had to go. When David, right? King David. When King David killed a black man. Because he got the man wife pregnant. And he put him on the front line to get him all the way out the way. What did your divinity tell you about that? These are God's folks, brother. These ain't the false prophets now. You know what I mean? This ain't the, these are, what does your value system say when you read this? These, these are God's men. Something to say, nah, these people is off. Starting from the very beginning, it's, it's off. Don't say that. Y'all glamorize these folks. Because these are the people that got the key to get y'all to heaven. <laughs> They're going to get y'all to heaven. He set Uriah up. To get the man's wife. King David is king in the land he stole, y'all. He's king in the land he stole from black folks, y'all. Your divinity didn't kick in in? Oh, it kicked in on Prophet Muhammad. We finna do some religious set tripping kind of shit. It kicked in in. It kicked in real strong. Then. Oh, man, look what the Muslims do. They, they, they doing this. They bombing this. They bombing that. We ain't got to go that far. Them the false prophets. We ain't got to go that far to the false prophets. <laughs> we can go to the real prophets. There's a lot of meat on that bone on the real prophets. We'll leave it there. You know what I'm saying? We'll leave it there. Let's talk about Elijah a little bit. You know what I'm saying? We're going to do a little scholarship. But I'm going to give y'all some Nation of Islam history real quick. Right? Because, um... There's so many scenarios and scenarios and scenarios, man. I'm talking about Hezekiah killed black people for pasture land for the sheep. 
you know what I'm saying? He had to get <laughs> he had to get like some pasture. So he he needed a field. He needed some field to put his animals in. But the only problem was black folks was living on the land he wanted to put the, the animals on. So you know what he did? He killed all the black folks off the land so he could have somewhere to put his sheep and his other animals. And, and you read the story and you did what? Your divinity didn't kick in and say, man, that's off. That's improper. They just go along with whatever the story that their daddy tell them. These are the children of God. They have to go along because if they don't go along with the genocide, if they don't go along with the incest, they don't go along with the thievery and the stealing, they're going to miss out on heaven. See, that's the mental game they got you in. And here's the kicker. Everybody that don't go along with this is going to hell. If we don't go along with the incest and the thievery and the rape and all this, we going to miss out. Dig the dig the mental game. One following the pedophile, which is Muhammad from 1400 years ago, and the other one following the man that married his sister. And both of them is saying they got the right, they following the right folks. And the people with good good sense is saying, not so sure. <laughs> Let me give you some nation of Islam history. How about we do that, right? How about we talk about the nation of Islam real quick, real quick, real quick, and we're going to close out, right? Um, I don't know if anybody ever been in Muhammad's temple before, but I kind of uh, do my best to fill you in on how it works, right? In order to be a member of Muhammad's temple, you got to be a registered Muslim, Right? Not to visit, but to be a member, you have to be registered. So if you see anybody in key offices, you dig what I'm saying? Uh, Secretaries, captains, lieutenants, uh, any ministers you see, of course, they're all registered Muslims, right? Their first and last name is on the roll. You dig what I'm saying? All right. I say all that to say this. If somebody come and tell you that Elijah Muhammad was a pedophile because he was sleeping with underage secretaries, well, they should be able to give you a name. Well, who, what underage secretary was you sleeping with? That'd be an easy thing. Like, okay, just give me the name. The funny thing is, there is no name. See, now we talk scholarship. No, there's no, there's no name. Right? Where that comes from is our beloved brother, Malcolm X. Now, what you don't know is that Malcolm, when he made those statements, he unfortunately had some things going on in his personal life with his wife, Sister Betty Shabazz, right? Um, You know, everything is public record now. You know what I'm saying? Him and Betty had some things going on. And, um, you know, our brother Malcolm wasn't in his best. He wasn't in his best place. Right. Okay. He hooked up with Mr. Muhammad's son, Wallace, who also wasn't in his best place. So they understood that the temperature of America, it was totally unfamiliar with how the Islamic world worked. Right. They kind of knew that. 
So they wasn't putting out that Elijah had children by the secretary because these are his wives. Because in Islam, you can have multiple wives. They were they were kind of trying to like almost put them out to America because they wasn't putting them out to the nation of Islam. Everybody in the nation already knew. It wasn't no secret. It wasn't like see um see it's a brother out of New York. He's a film producer. His name is Spike Lee. Spike Lee kind of put out a film. He didn't kind of put on the film. He put out a film years ago called X. And in X, the way he kind of did uh, Mr. Muhammad was he made it look like it was a secret that he had multiple wives. It wasn't no secret. It was a secret to America. It wasn't a secret to the nation. The kids is there. Everybody can see. He's with. I mean, he, he's with Tarnetta. Everybody can see it. You know, it wasn't no. It wasn't no thing. And by the way, uh, Mother Tarnetta was the youngest secretary and wife that he had child with. Mother Tarnetta was like 22, 23 years old. But the way they put it in the movie, it make it look like, man, they 15, 14, like they kids, like they're teenagers. It never happened. I do you one better. Beloved, don't you know all of this is public record? This ain't like no deep research to figure this out. This is public record. It's not hard to figure it out. Um, I do you one even better than that. Malcolm was going through a thing with Betty. Right? And the issues that he was having was sexual in nature. Wallace was upset with his dad, Elijah, because Wallace was trying to get out of the draft. You dig what I'm saying? And his father told him, those devils that had me paying and paying and paying to try to keep you out of this draft and son, if I do this for you, I will have to do this for every member of the nation. Wallace got with Malcolm. Malcolm had some real deep going on in his personal life. And it came to a head. Malcolm came out. He thought that he was going to get the momentum of America because these crackers had him on television all day. All night, like he was the biggest superstar on the planet. His head got a little big, and he his household wasn't going kind of like what he was going. And then he seen his teacher Elijah with multiple wives. And here's the rumor part. Here's the gossip part. I'm finna give y'all. One of the secretaries that Malcolm was fond of, that he wanted to build a relationship with. She went with Elijah. Now, the nation of Islam, even though they're in the Islamic world, Master Farah Muhammad did not permit Muslims to have more than one wife, with the exception of Elijah. So it's almost as if that Malcolm had a it was over a girl, then his problems wasn't right at the crib, and then Malcolm tried to expose this lifestyle to America now the part that Spike Lee didn't give you is when Malcolm came back and apologized see that's the part I'm going to play later right after this video is over with I'm going to play you the part of Malcolm apologizing to Mr. Muhammad and he's trying to get back into the nation of Islam Mr. Muhammad was going to let him back in but he told him listen you started a lot of fires you had to go back around the country and put those same fires back out that you that you lit Unfortunately, we all know 
that our brother Malcolm didn't live long enough to do that. Right? All right. After this video conclude, I want you guys to stay behind for two videos I'm going to play. The first video I'm going to play is our brother, peace be appointed, he's no longer here, of Malcolm apologizing. I want to play that video first. After that, I'm going to play a video of all of the wives that had children by Mr. Muhammad when they are at Savior's Day. See, the thing about the nation of Islam history is that history is black history. It's public record. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's hidden. If you came to a Savior's Day, you could have just... Savior's Day is a day that every February in Detroit. These, these wives and their children from Elijah, they had Savior's Day every, every, every February. If you wanted to see them, you could have came. It wasn't no secret. But I'm glad the brother minister put them all on stage. Let them tell their own story. Because sometimes a lie can outrun the truth but believe it or not give it some time the truth always catches up to the lie and we'll leave it there peace of black power to your family yes 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 thank you guys so much for listening you know I just you know also even want to say this you know um you know, sometimes, you know, um, we got to do our due diligence when we don't need microphones sometimes. Sometimes we got to do our due diligence when we're in these chats and we're in these groups. You know what I'm saying? Because we can say some things and uh, we can cast a, a, a light on some things of some people that is not the most proper light but we only doing it because we don't have the right scholarship we got the right divinity right we meant well we're meaning well but the scholarship it just wasn't there right um you know elijah has a big tree right Elijah has a big tree, but you know, Farrakhan, um, Jeremiah Shabazz, um, Captain Yusuf Shaw, you know, um, then you got the younger generation, the brother Ben X, Hak Muhammad, Rizzi Islam. Do you think that they'd be so dumb to follow <laughs> to follow a black man that that was a pedophile? How many of you ever seen Nura Muhammad do a video? You ain't got to know him personally. You ever seen Nura Muhammad just do speaking it? Do do Nura look like the type of guy that follow a guy that followed a pedophile? When you see how sharp brother Wesley Muhammad is, you think that these guys are following, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You think these guys are following guys that are following pedophiles? You know what I'm saying? Like a black man is a pedophile. Listen, a black man is a pedophile in America that the government hated. They would have thrown him under the jail. There was no evidence for that. They they look for it, but it was nothing there because it was public record who the women it, it, it was his wives. It's public record. You know what else is public record? Abraham marrying his sister. 
ahead and leave it there. Peace of black power to your family. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out. This is indeed Real Black Cards of the Form Podcast, beloved. This is your brother V, man. I'm gonna get it with you guys later. Peace, peace, and more peace. Who is the father of all of these various children whom you have enumerated? Uh, the first one to tell me who the father was was Wallace Muhammad, and he told me that the father was Elijah Muhammad himself. One of the sisters, took, uh, he went to the home of one of the sisters, and when he walked in the door, she says, I want to let you see something. And she uh, showed him her child. She said, here's your brother, and your father is the one, your father is the father of this child. And then I questioned the sisters myself, because it, I was shook up. And they admitted to me that Elijah Muhammad was the father of their children. And I took it to him. And it was at that time he told me that he was Muhammad, the prophet, and that Muhammad had nine wives. He also told me that he was David. He was the modern David, and that he, that he was the modern Solomon, and that he, he was meant, it was meant for him to fulfill today all of the things that they did back there. And how many of these illegitimate children did he father with the sisters? Well, he made uh, six sisters pregnant they all have their holy apostle assalamu alaikum in the name of allah the beneficent the merciful to whom all praise is due whom we forever thank for giving us the most honorable and humble elijah muhammad as our divine leader teacher and guide i want to uh, put what i'm going to say to you on this tape for two purposes. Number one, I want to really apologize to you for having let you down for the mistakes that I've made, especially during the past year. I want to confess my fault, confess my wrong. I want to confess my weaknesses. I want you to know that thanks to Allah and you, I'm able to see myself better now. I'm able to see my weaknesses better now and my shortcomings better now. I do believe that in seeing them better, it, it may be possible for me to overcome them and become a better person. At least I am praying to Allah that this is the case. And above all else, I am praying to Allah to put mercy and forgiveness in your heart. And if you weren't merciful nor forgiving toward me, I could well understand it. I have always known that Master W.D. Farad is Allah. I believe, I believe that Master W.D. Farad is Allah, and I believe that you are his messenger. I believe that your program is right, and I believe that your teachings are right, and that it was my belief in this that made me as successful as I was, especially it was my firm belief in this that enabled me to stand up in the face of all opposition on television, on radio, before colleges, and before people out in the street at mass rallies, and support your program, and present your program, and represent your program. It was my faith in it that enabled me to represent it. The most prominent students of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad wind up separating from him. And not because he, they didn't love Elijah, but those who were around him didn't want to allow, allow him to be free. I know where you're coming. Malcolm loved the messenger. 
you ain't the message. The message you ain't had nobody in the nation that the message is love more than now. Malcolm was the only one that can go to Chicago anytime he wanted, anytime he wanted, unexpected, whatever. Mm. He was the number one. The messenger loved him, Malcolm. The messenger, Muhammad Muhammad, loved him, Malcolm more than he did his own children. Because mm. his own children weren't delivering. Mm. They were just li living off him. Mm. You understand? Only mistake Malcolm made was going forward with his personal life. Malcolm couldn't separate the mission from his personal life. Well, here's a, here's a, here's an interesting, I don't know if you heard, did you ever hear about Malcolm having an interest in a, in a female? Sister, yeah. And then, yeah, Sister Emily. Oh, so it was a Sister Emily had, had this interest and then... But Malcolm was a married man. And, 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 but it, and, and Elijah told him, go no, back to your wife. No, no. Sister Evelyn, Malcolm, Sister Evelyn became one of the messenger's secretaries. And then wound up becoming pregnant by the messenger. Well, wait a minute. Were you, were you, so so it was his personal feelings that got in the way. He, he, had, he, had he, he, he was enraged, he was enraged that this woman became a second man and became pregnant He by wasn't her. supposed to get enraged. Mm. He was wrong for getting enraged. Mm. You wanna know why? A woman gonna be with who she wanna be with. Ooh. And nothing you can do about it. Oh, wait. A woman gonna be with who she wants want to, to be, be with. with. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't make no woman love you. Mm. Oh, you love her? Who says she love you? Mm. Oh, you in, oh, you love me? Well, who said I love you? Mm. Oh, you got choice, so you choose to love me. But I don't choose to love you. I choose to love him. Can you handle it? So that was part of the rage. That, was part, that was part of him. He wasn't supposed to be in rage. He's a street man. Street Since man. when do a street man get upset over a woman? A street man, a street man, a street man personality, magnetic attraction. He don't never worry about a woman because he always can attract a woman. So, so, so the downfall. So ultimately, the downfall of. Malcolm Weak, was emotional weakness was, was a woman. when it comes to a woman. A woman and most men are weak. Most of them are weak for a woman. Oh, yeah, that happens. Oh, that does, yeah. That's absolutely. Wait, wait a minute. But you good. <laughs> you made her. How the hell is your creation going to have more power over you? And that's a problem. And that's a big problem because you're weak. That's a problem. Now, check this out. All men of power and money has a magnetic attraction and a woman wants to be with them. Indeed. Women follow power, knowledge, and money. And when they see power, knowledge, and money, they want to be in that company. Check this out. No woman wants an ignorant man. Right. No woman wants an ignorant man. No woman wants a poor man. <laughs> mm -hmm. And get, you ready for this one? And no woman wants a weak man. A woman wants knowledge, wisdom, strength, and money. Because they deal in <laughs> they deal in security. Absolutely. Not hold up. With a woman, it's about security, not loyalty. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. You're a street man? Mm. I've been a street man all my life. A woman? Mm. Oh, they come and they go. 
You understand? And when they know you got it like that, you ain't got no problem with her. You know now, why? Because she knows she can be replaced. And that's interesting to see, to see, you know, that that speaks to the honor of <laughs> uh, of the men who are behind. Because that story is very, is very kept on, on, on hush that Not too many people know about that story. Which story? About the story about Malcolm and the woman, him, you know, that the woman that chose Elijah over Malcolm. Not, not, not too many people know about that. No, they, I mean, maybe insiders of the nation of Islam know about it. But that never really got out. I mean, I got that. I remember uh, my Brown scene talking I've about that. I've been known it. You know, I thought you you've been known it. But what I'm saying is, like, like, see, when I grew up, Malcolm was like my hero. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying? He was my he was my hero. He was my hero too. Right. Right. He was my hero. And 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 but the way the story was spent was that he found out about Elijah and those other, those other women. He was the one that brought him to Elijah to be a secretary. And then, but she wound up becoming pregnant by her, by her. Because she chose to be. Right, right. But that's what I'm saying, but this story is not known. This is a story that's not, so we're, we're, this story that we're discussing here, yeah. is not a story that is because, known. Right, because it, but they don't put everything out there. They don't put it out there, right. But Sister Evelyn, would you just say a quick word? We only have 10 minutes on the satellite. Assalamu alaikum. Brothers and sisters, I just want to say that all the years that I worked with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad before he asked me to be his wife, there was never any kind of out-of-turn words, no sexual harassment. He treated us with the highest form of dignity and respect. When he came to me and asked me to be his wife, he sat down, as our beloved brother Minister Farrakhan said, and opened the Holy Quran to the place where it dealt with the wives. He loved his wife, Sister Clara Muhammad, and his children. But he said Allah was forcing him to do this for future generations. There's much I could say, but I want you to know that he was an honorable man. He is an honorable man, and he stood for the respect of all black women around the world. This is his daughter from Sister Evelyn Muhammad, the one you saw in the movie that Evelyn was holding in her arm. This is the daughter. My son married this daughter and produced six children. Five sons and one daughter. And these are the grandchildren of Elijah Muhammad and the grandchildren of Louis Farrakhan. They are brilliant and I see in them the spark of their grandfather. And their ages old great-grandparents that they will be lights among the people sister Ola Muhammad would you step forward please and where's your son come this is her son Kamal Kamal is one of the first are you the first he's the first oh he's the first son of the second generation 
And this son was uh, on the mercantile. What is it? Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Chicago Mercantile Exchange. How old were you when, when you were on there? 24. 24 years old. You're just now about 20? 32. 32. 32 years. Now look in his face. Look at the light in him. Look at his mother. These are not cheap people. This is what God is doing. My brother Hannibal Afrique sits here. He's a student of African culture. You go to Africa, you see the chiefs. They got wives and they got children and nobody's accusing the chief of being a cheap man in Africa, in Asia, and among all the societies of our people. Is that the truth, brother? Sister Ola, would you have a word? As-salamu alaykum. I'd like to tell you that I agree and bear witness with Minister Farrakhan. I'm a South Side of Chicago, raised and born. I work with you in the community. In daycare, I'm a registered nurse. I come and see many of you often. I bear witness that everything Elijah ever taught us about eating, cleaning, raising our children was true. I'm a product of the Interest School of Chicago, yet I can talk to scholars. I've raised my son as he instructed me to do, and I am quite pleased with the life that he has given to me over 40 something years. and in the hospitals and communities with people, they think I'm 32. My son is 32. This is because of the great teaching that our messenger, my husband, brought to you, all of us. The wrong foods we eat raise the blood pressure, give you diabetes, high blood pressure. Once you get high blood pressure, you're definitely going to have kidney failure at an early death. Elijah Muhammad said, drop that swine. <laughs> it's making you ugly and it's killing you. Now we have Minister Louis Farrakhan picking up the banner. Yes. That's right. Carry on with this great teaching that we all need. Yes. Elijah gave him the keys. Malcolm never had enough knowledge to hold the keys. He did not have it. And I'm sorry to say, as my husband said, he died lost and a hypocrite. Thank you. I saw him away. Thank you. Sister Ola Muhammad and the National Secretary of the Nation, the son of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and his wife is my daughter. Here she is. The blood have joined. Farrakhan and Muhammad have become one. That's what he wanted. That's what he has. Now, do we look like some crazy, silly, sick, No, no, these are righteous people. And having wives, which I wouldn't advise nobody 
to do this. Don't you run into a Elijah head rise. I'm going to get me some. Don't you do that. Or you probably can't take care of the one you got. So you better first take care of the one you have. If you're faithful over little, maybe God one day will make you rule over Sister June Muhammad and her son, Abdullah Yassin Muhammad. Look at Look at And look at her, Sister June. As-salamu alaykum. In the most holy name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful. All holy praises are due to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. And in the name of our last and greatest messenger, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, I greet you in the nation's greetings of paradise. As-salamu alaykum. Uh, brothers and sisters, I know it's pretty hard pill to swallow that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad took on wives. And uh, we're so mundane in our understanding of life. We have to think on a spiritual plane. He came to me uh, when I was very young in a vision. I only saw his form and never his face. But this vision lasted with me until I was a teenager. And then after I heard Islam, uh, the vision became prominent. It began to move. His form became more vivid. And I was worried about this because he was, I couldn't make out his face, just his form. So um, after I became a wife, I told him about this. And he just smiled. I said, you were that vision that was coming to me when I was very young. And he just smiled. He never confirmed it or denied it. And I just want you to say he was a decent man, upright man, who wasn't lustful or any of those things. I will, you will never get a leader like the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. He's a leader to us all. We're lost without him. I'm thankful that Minister uh, Farrakhan gave me this opportunity to do this. I've been knowing Farrakhan for a long time. And uh, we're just like old friends. And uh, I'm really honored that he thought enough of me to invite me out, although I got the message about one or two days before I came here. And I'm, uh, I always felt that I had to defend the messenger. Malcolm was talking to me near the time that he was um, running and uh, worried about his life being taken. And he said to me that, I asked him, I said, why don't you just submit and uh, tell the messenger that you're sorry. He says, sister, I'm going to be killed. And he says, there's nothing I can do about it. He said, never let a man tell you that he's not afraid to die. He says, I am afraid. And uh, he said, it was nothing he could do about it. He was very bitter. He wanted me to go against the messenger with him. He said, if I got you, the messenger would be very hurt. And he was trying to get me to go along with him by stating to me that my life was in danger as well as these other women's life were in danger and that I should take record my domestic affair and give it to him and he would keep it in safekeeping or give it to a lawyer. And I didn't fall for that. And I just want you to know he was very bitter and he just couldn't help himself. He had uh, turned against the messenger and chosen another path. And the messenger is the messenger of Allah, and I know any, I don't know any immoral thing about that man or this man. He is the greatest 
and there is no God but Allah, and the most honorable Elijah Muhammad is his last servant and apostle. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and the messenger is his messenger. And this is her son, and at last but not least, Sister Tainetta Muhammad, whom you all know and heard from, and her sons from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. This is my assistant minister here in Chicago, and her son Rasul is a brilliant musician and is the minister of Mosque Number no. One in Detroit. Michigan. And now, Sister Tainetta Muhammad. Thank you. alaikum. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In the name of Allah, who came in the person of Master Farad Muhammad, to whom all holy praises do forever, for raising in our midst the greatest man that we have or will ever know, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I thank Allah, and I thank the Honorable Elijah Muhammad for raising up this brother, our beloved Minister Louis Farrakhan, for making this day happen. It was through the inspiration of Almighty God Allah that we are 28 years from the time of the assassination of Malcolm and that Allah put it in the heart of our beloved minister to bring us together in the public to witness to all of you that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is the most noble and virtuous and moral man that you will ever know if you live to be 1,000 or 2,000 years old. Finally, when one of the Prophet's wives was asked about the character of Muhammad, she pointed to this book, the Holy Quran, and she said that Muhammad's character and his morals in essence is the Holy Quran. So I want all of you to ponder over the days to come, the years to come, and make up your mind from this day forward that if we are to be guided into a peaceful and happy world, that we must come together as family and begin to discuss openly our beliefs, our differences, no matter what it may be. But we must know from this day on that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, is a savior for you and I, and he is the exalted Christ. Thank you very much. Brothers and sisters, may I please ask you, since these sisters have been the victims of slander and evil talk and abuse, and they did nothing wrong but mother children, that would be a righteous guides and examples for us. Would you please honor them with a standing ovation and say thank you. Thank you, sisters.
Thank you, sons and daughters. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Thank you. Thank you. You all come to the house for dinner. Where's my wife? I want you to meet the queen in my castle. This is the sister that helped me to become the man that you see in front of you. And I would never be the kind of man that I am if God didn't bless me with this kind of woman. I thank Allah for my wife and the mother of my nine children. And be the grandparents of 23 children. And about to be a, a great grandpa. Brothers and sisters, you have been so patient, so wonderful. We thank the satellite company for allowing us to close. And thank you and the happy Savings Day to you. And I hope that all of my friends and my brothers and sisters, don't don't go. We're gonna we're gonna say prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Don't 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 run. Take your time. I want you to stumble and hurt yourself. <laughs>